0: Welcome to the Independent Dealer Podcast with hosts Luke Godwin and Jeff Watson, a podcast by dealers for dealers. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Independent Dealer Podcast. A uh, special guest, friend of the podcast, Mr. Dan Reel, is back here to join us. We like to refer to Dan as like the Kramer to our Seinfeld. He is uh, kind of that wacky neighbor that does crazy stuff, but man, we love watching and checking in with his journey and seeing what's going on. So, Dan, how you been? I'm doing great, and I, I only do
1: these because of your amazing intros, by the way, Jeff. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> those, those, those are Luke makes me cut out half of them, so hopefully that one will stay in there.
2: So, so, Dan, last time we talked, I think it was about two years ago, and you were in the process of opening up your new store. So, I think you got open almost a year later and I think you just had your year anniversary. Uh, how's it going?
1: It's, uh, it's going great. Uh, no complaints. I, uh, we, we are celebrating, uh, we just celebrated one year last month. Uh, so we're on month number 13 now it, uh, exceeded our expectations, which was, uh, amazing. We, we kind of went into this with, uh, low expectations because of the uh, pandemic and uh, new location election year. I mean, so many things were kind of working against us. Um, but it, it turned out to be a uh, great experience for a great first year. And we're looking forward to going
0: going ahead. And that was episode 54. For anyone that wants to go back and reference this to get some context to the conversation, it's episode 54. But Dan, maybe you can give us just a real quick summary for people that haven't listened to the pod, that episode 54 yet. Your second location is about... How about 30 from minutes here? from
1: the original store, 30 okay. minutes from the original store. It's in the, it's in my hometown where I live. Um, so it's a good proximity where they're not cannibalizing each other. Uh, there's no really the, the consumer in this market is not the consumer in the other market and they're not really affecting each other in any way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll occasionally have somebody that's looking for a particular vehicle at one location that we don't have and they don't know about the other store and I'll have it brought out to the, the new location, set up an appointment. So that that is kind of nice to be able to have a larger inventory uh, to pull from as well. but
0: And it's that's physically a, that's closer a, to your home, right? Physically closer super to Super close.
1: Home. Yeah. Okay. I could slingshot a rock there pretty much. Okay. So
2: that's always an interesting take I have on, on opening up a second store. And I, I kind of, I've gotten on Jeff about it. I, I, I think I talked to you about it then, but the cannibalization, um, mm-hmm. how do you prevent that? Is it a different inventory? Is it uh uh, what, what is it, what's the key to not taking sales from one location?
1: So it is absolutely a different inventory between the two locations where our ACV is probably about 10 grand less at the original store. Um, the reason for that is the new location is, uh, it's a much higher credit, much higher income. We've seen more check writers in this area than we've ever seen at the other place in five years of business in the first year here. Um, it's a completely different market. I mean, absolutely 100% different market. I could sell $35,000 trucks here easily in the Warwell at the original location. Um, it's tough to sell a $24,000 truck. I mean, you could still sell it, but it's going to sit there for 45, 60 days. We're here. It's going to sell in a week. Hmm. So it, a different animal.
2: That's interesting. A, every time I would think about doing that, I would open up a new store. And, and honestly, I think 30 to 45 minutes makes a lot of sense because it's it's easy to handle but the, the one thing that always comes up. So what different model could I use there? Um, so I assume you got all the details of uh, medium income. Uh, I don't know if you can get medium credit score for your area. Is that how you look at what you want yeah. to carry at the new store?
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, we, we did a bunch of demographic studies prior to opening the place and uh, in, in, in partnership with our bank. They, you know, they share information with us as well. But um, the average income's, in this area, is about hundred thousand dollars more per household than my other store. You know, the average credit score is about one hundred twenty points higher than my original store. So, the original store is doing a significant amount of uh, subprime, near prime. This place is doing a ton of near and prime. Mm. So, um, it all it all works together though. The original store has got it's got buyers in the market to buy the nice stuff. It just doesn't have a whole bunch of them. So, it's it's kind of a they've really worked in conjunction well you know, put, put in the two, you know, people from that area that want the nicer car, we can get them a nicer car. So.
2: Sure. Do you have a uh, separate websites, one website, or you, how's that working? Actually,
1: we have two, we have two at the moment. Um, we have our original site that we had uh, for the last probably 18 years through uh, the auto search guys, uh, reelsauto.com and the new ones, reelsautogroup.com through Carbase. Um, I'm not plugging either company, um, but we, <laughs> I, I'm not. We, we might go to one site but when I initially opened I had talked to a couple of google pros and they said it's better to have two sites because of the distance of the stores to make sure you have the most uh most reach and, you know the, mm-hmm. the or the orwell website would not have the geographic reach in 30 miles away because of the population and the distance and everything else and it just made more sense um I'm not sure going forward if we'll have one or, or two
2: yeah I think I think I would Think one one site just you know just think about this one site would allow you to to build the site bigger so you'd have more pages which would get more mm-hmm. Google yeah. and then you could you could sell inventory pretty easily between the two I would think uh, and then you have one less monthly pay you know, one less less monthly bill I just yeah that interesting
1: so we own the one site outright so it's not really costing us anything but a hosting fee mm-hmm. the original site uh the new site does cost me a monthly fee but both sites allowed me to have location. You know, you put a location code on each vehicle. Um, so that's, that's a work in progress though.
2: Do you use the same DMS between the two is are they both yes. together integrated together?
1: Yeah, we use the same DMS, which is Fraser. We, uh, we use dealer track to submit all the deals to the bank and we use one dealer track. However, dealer track gives you a dropdown. So you could uh, choose which location you're submitting the loan from to when you're sending it to the banks, which is beautiful. Um, so that's all pretty seamless that the whole process of selling the car because um, everything's cloud based for us. You know, so mm-hmm. no matter where or wherever you're at, you could lock, sit in a computer and jump in any dealership at any time.
0: Do, you have yes. like a, do all your deals get desked in one place? You have Is your underwriting in one of the stores or does each store have no, its own underwriting, no, each its store, own titling, each... its own paperwork? You're transferring Absolutely. deal jackets back and forth as you transfer cars? So every, every store
1: submits their own deals. Every, every store audits, their own deal jackets um, sends in the deals. Um, Everybody, each store has their own title because we, in Ohio, we have two separate uh, dealer numbers, uh, UD numbers, the dealer code numbers. Hmm. Um, It's, it's, it's really actually an easy process. The only time we ever get hiccups is when we move a car from location to location, somebody forgets the deal jacket or forgets to go into the DMS and actually change the location code on the vehicle. Because right. then if you print that paperwork up, it's going to have the original storage
0: location, right. which is going to be then a headache. So, Yeah. Tax wise and so everything else and following paperwork. Yeah. So you,
2: you, you talking about headaches. So let's, yeah. what's the biggest headache that, that you've been?
1: Uh, biggest headache so far staffing by far staffing has been the biggest headache. We've, we were lucky enough to, that we've been a business business for a long time. And, uh, we got a good team at the Aurora location staffing a new location. When, uh, Unemployment uh, benefits are so crazy high right now, but we've been lucky there. The second second biggest headache would be reconditioning time. Uh, we're, we we talked about this on the first podcast. You you asked me how are you gonna how are you gonna recondition cars for two locations. Well, that's been my biggest hurdle. Um, so what I've done in the last three months to um, be proactive is I built another service building, which got completed actually this week. Um, and we're going to go from having six bays to having 16 bays within, within the next 30 days. Wow. Um, so
2: then, then you run back into staffing again, because now you well, we have, we have some of <laughs>
1: Exactly. And that'll be another staffing issue. But luckily we have some of those folks lined up already. We have the equipment already in line. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be some speed bumps for the next three, three to six months for sure. But, um. If I'm anything, I'm a plan. I'm a planner. I'm a little bit too conservative when it comes to that kind of stuff, and I, I really, I'm detail oriented in that area only in life. Everything else in life, I'm a cluster. But, but um, the whole business, it's it I, like like I said, it's it's kind of a baby to me. I have to make sure every little section is just running just right. <laughs> it goes back to that. I, I always think back to an old friend Joel Escoda, and I think about the um, certified master dealer course when he told me like your dealership has faucets running everywhere. It's your job to make sure you go around and off the faucets because they're just wasting money and make sure you're efficient. I always look back at that and I was like, man, how do I make this more efficient? How do I make this process easier? You know? So we're always trying to tweak, tweak things to make it better, not reinvent the wheel, just tweak it. And, uh, I can't be happier with this process that we, that we've, uh, went through here. I mean, it's, uh, it's had its headaches, but I've never lost sleep over anything. I, I, I don't know. Well, it's, uh, been, it's been, it's been great.
2: So let's talk, let's talk real numbers. So uh, you went from how many employees to how many now?
1: 12 to 16, <laughs> not 12 a lot. To
2: 16. So not a lot. And that's, uh, yeah. you know, luckily you're not in a buy hair, pay your business. Cause if you did that, you'd probably have to double the amount of employees. Yeah. Um, so you went from how many cars you had and then we're
1: gonna go 16 we're gonna go 16 to about 30 though so yeah so
2: and that's yeah. what I figured somewhere in there you would, you would have yeah. to jump what uh, from cars sitting on each lot what did that go from?
1: So unfortunately with this shortage of vehicles that we're all experiencing right now we are low on inventory overall. We went from having about 70 something at one store to having about 110 to 120 total between the two. Um, so we are low. Um, I do keep the, uh, new location a little bit, um, leaner than the original store just because we've been there for 20 years. People go there. It's just, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's in my head that it's going to sell more cars regularly. (laughs) Um, once I ramp up staff at the new location, I'll ramp up the inventory too. Plus hopefully it becomes more readily available by say 22, (laughs) who knows,
2: (laughs) hopefully, yeah, yeah yeah and how many how many cars sold a lot from from uh was it so our goal
1: or? our goal our goal is about 100 but we're, we're coming up a little bit shy of that every month right now um i would say you know one store might do 41 might do 31 might do 31 might do 40. so we're doing, we're hitting that 60 70 number usually
2: oh, that's so, great yeah, that's awesome.
1: yeah it's not it's it's kind of funny because i have we, we all have friends in the business that have one little spot selling 150 you know yeah. and i go how, mm-hmm. how, how the heck are you doing <laughs> that but um, both, both of our locations are somewhat rural, you know, there it's, it's a different animal, but I, I'm not complaining. I don't, I don't care about selling more cars. I, so, I care about selling, um, making every deal, maximize every deal for us and the customer at the same time, you know? So
0: what, yeah, the, it's, it's what super true. Saying, when you say your issues are things like staffing and reconditioning, you know, time to line stuff like that. you almost have to discount those right now because even people with single stores that have been at it for 50 years in one location are having those same problems. Yeah. So it's a little unfair to be like, ah, I can't find anyone to work. And like, well, no one can find anyone to work. "Ah, I can't find good mechanics. Well, no one can find good mechanics. Like we're all struggling with those same issues. So yeah, your second location came at a timing where it might seem like that's causing you problems, but I mean, same, I don't have enough cars on the front line. Well, that's everybody. Everybody has that yeah. problem. It wasn't your second location exactly. that did it to you, so so I find that super interesting. And you did buy your second location, right? That was also yeah, a real estate. Play? We we own it. Yeah, okay, we own so, it. So that's actually
1: huge. and so and when I first bought it, um, there was a there's a five bay five bay in an office uh, service center behind us, and um, that's going to come into come into play for us here in the next couple months because um, that guy his lease is up, so that's coming up. Um, we are. About 70% done building out our BDC office here in at the new location that'll uh, help with all the uh, leads because many, many of us dealers have the same problem. We, our salespeople, our staff, they always pick the low hanging fruit, but the tree's full. So um, right. I'm, I'm, I'm hire. I'm going to, I'm going to put together an, uh, a BDC, a small BDC, three people, nothing crazy and just have them work every single lead that comes in.
2: Dan, how many leads are you getting a month?
1: A couple hundred at least uh, per store.
2: Per store. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I keep, I keep harking back on that. There's so many dealers out there that want to spend more money in marketing. And, yeah. and I think, I think that's the wrong way to go. I think, I think everybody's probably getting enough leads that aren't handling, handling them. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I don't the, want to spend any money on marketing. I don't want to yeah, spend no any on because, because it, 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 it would just be, it would be blowing it. You might pull out, you, you could spend five grand in marketing, 10 grand in marketing additional to what you're doing. But, and you might pull that one gross deal. It's like, wow, that, that did it for me. But, man, if you just maximized every single lead, I don't care if you're making, you know, you got you got 50 leads that are a thousand dollar a copy leads that you're capitalizing on versus that one that you you hit a home run on. It's like, I just want to I want to cultivate what we have, you know.
2: Yeah. And all the cars you've sold over the last, you know, however mm-hmm. many years you have been in business, you got all the people that you can pull. We have through. a funnel. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, so interesting that our take, and I, I think ours is pretty similar on that, that we're just missing so many good leads that we already, we already have. Um, exactly. In, in Ohio, in your region, if you have two lots, you know, what do you think you're spending a month on marketing with both, both locations?
1: Not enough. Most people would say we're probably, so probably I would say we're about five grand total. okay Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what third party sites, everything. Yeah. Um, it's really, really low. But like we're going back, go. I want to go back really quick. So I'm lucky enough to have uh, Nicole on board, and she is a uh, she's a spreadsheet genius, right? So what she does is she, every week she gives the sales team leads of people that have uh, that are coming up due on their contracts. She's giving them leads of people that came into the store that didn't buy a car. You know, like mm-hmm. so these people, the sales people are getting lists of between twenty and eighty contacts per salesperson and they're calling every one of them to set appointments, you know, they might, they might get a closing ratio of like seven, 8%, which of, of an appointment out of the whole list, but it's still something and it's still putting, putting our name in their ear. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah that's,
2: that's, that's awesome that, that you yeah. have time or Nicole has time to do that. It's doing it. I wish, yeah. yeah, I wish I had time to do that every week because I know we're missing, we're missing mm-hmm. people going to new car stores every day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So, what have you found as far as like as you move from being an operator, you know, running one store, 10 employees, you still probably have your hands, you know, you're kind of in the kitchen cooking every so often, so to speak. Yeah. As you go to two stores, has it been hard to transition from actually being the guy that can put his hands on things to just being the guy that has to make sure everyone else has their hands on things? You know, you, you go from yes. being kind of an operator to just like, a coordinator of people and you're basically an HR specialist now, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I went from being an operator that would that would uh, buy the cars, uh I change a tire if I had to. I was uh I do everything, right? And now I I have to make sure the people are doing that, so I'm more of a business manager and looking at the paper side of the business versus actually getting my hands dirty. I mean, I'm not talking um uh, literally getting my hands dirty all the time, but man, I was involved in everything. I was involved yeah. in customers would come to me for like the best deal or they wanted their big service bill. Hey, can you give me a discount? Like there's so many things yeah. that I'm not involved in. I get, yeah. I get a little bit de- uh, depressed about it sometimes, you know, like I'm like, I feel like I'm missing something. Like, I, yeah, like you're not I doing raised, anything. Yeah. Like I raised it up. Not that I'm not doing anything, but I raised it up. I'm, I did all this stuff and now I'm kind of like, I sit in this, I sit in this new office and I'm just like watching, <laughs> watching everything <laughs> from, the damn, from the damn computer or I'm on the road buying cars, you know? Yeah. It's like,
0: it's kind of nice to have certain things you don't have to deal with, though. You scale to the Absolutely. point where you could put people between you and hot cases or you and, you know, problems or things so, like that. So funny enough,
1: our service department at the original store is making more money with me, not there. Uh, <laughs> and I asked my service stuff. manager, why, why is that? He goes, well, if you stay away, you're not giving stuff away all the time. I said, that makes sense. you know."
2: Yeah, I, th- I, think, that, I think all of us are guilty of that at times.
1: Yeah, my feel- wife. We have we've had a couple complaints. You know, like people are like, "Oh, it's not the same without you." Blah blah blah. A couple, not many. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, but my wife, she told me, she goes, "Those people that are complaining are the ones that always want stuff for free anyway." You know. Yeah.
0: So. And that's really hard not to get yourself sucked back in when you start to take those step backs and you start to delegate the tasks, and then all of a sudden you get a bad Google review or you catch wind of a of some situation that just wasn't handled the way you would have handled it. It's hard to not insert yourself back into those situations and try to take over like you think the place is burning down but yeah unfortunately when you get to that scale you have to accept that there's a certain amount of fires that are just going to burn and you just have to let them burn they're not going to take you down they're going to burn themselves out eventually uh, because you can't put them all out now
1: i know the first few months that we that we were operating two stores i felt that way i was like oh man this is going on here this is going on here i got to do this you know like and i was running ragged but at some point i finally said you know what that'll solve itself or so, uh, so, and so will handle that situation, you know? And it took, it took me a little bit of time to realize like, okay, I got people that are going to handle it. But, uh, overall, um, I don't have any major, major concerns. I, I'm looking for
0: a third location now. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) kidding. (laughs) But Seriously, Dan, I want to ask you that question. Do you feel like once you scale and you put the policies and procedures and the people in place for two locations, what's the difference between three, four, and five?
1: Absolutely nothing. And it's funny that you asked that because I've made this so cookie cutter. I mean, so cookie cutter. There's, besides the inventory being different, the entire process of buying a car, how the customers how the customer's experiences, how everything happens, it's 100% cookie cutter, right? So you can yeah. scale this again and again and again. I just think um, the personnel and the capitalization would be the only thing holding me back. Because I mean, you- this, this, this location, this new location, it was a million dollar investment just out of the gate. Like, I don't think people understand, like, oh, I'm going to open a new location. I'm going to find a little gas station and put some cars out there. You could do that but it's what you want your second location to be. And I didn't want my second location to be anything less than my original. I wanted people to to have that same hundred percent experience. And I'm telling, I'm talking you. Color schemes are the same, same uniforms are the same people. Everything's the same, you know, mm-hmm. and and that costs money to do that.
2: Yeah, it does. I'd say uh, Eric and Marshall at Freeman, they did the same thing in mm-hmm. Portland. Everything looks exactly yeah. the same. It has and, so, to be. and that's, I'm, Totally agree. Jeff, have you done that to a point yet? Or are you still trying to, to wade your feet into that?
0: Yeah, very similar. Same color scheme. You know, we changed everything to the same color. We didn't do a drastic because I don't own the building yet. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, with Dan's situation, if you're putting a million, you know, a ground up remodel, absolutely. You know, you've got to. I don't think yeah. you just want to go slap a slap a banner on some random store and then have a mismatched message and feel and vibe. But you're saying, Dan, you've gotten to that point with this location, you could add a third and a fourth under the same blueprint, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I would, I would be very comfortable with it. Like I said, minus those two things that kind of scare me that the people capital capital is a concern. I mean, I, I'm not undercapitalized right now i'm perfect perfectly capitalized but if you add more more things then you're who knows how you could out leverage yourself pretty quickly
2: yeah that's so. i think that's scary like yeah. I, yeah I don't ever plan to have a second location yeah you know, being in a buy your pay your business it's it's all about capital
1: mm-hmm. and i think
2: uh, i could outrun my cash really quickly um yeah you little, can a little different than what you what you've got going on with you know because money comes back in but still there's cash flow that you have to deal with Did
1: it oh absolutely
2: is it double the amount of cash you need Dan or where is it what was that number
1: um I thought it would be double the amount of cash it isn't it is in, in regards to inventory um, but it's not double on everything not yet it will be once it's completely once it's completely staffed up it will be
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, the the new location has not looked to the old location for a penny right it hasn't it hasn't had its hand out one time it's very very self-sufficient it's been extremely profitable um and it's holding its own so that's what i worried about initially like oh man am i gonna have to you know steal still resources and money from the other location and it hasn't been the case if anything it's uh very very uh i don't want to say lucrative but it kind of is you know it's it's doing its job so well
2: good i mean that's, that's really good to hear I, mm-hmm. that would scare them the Jesus
0: out of me. Yeah. Yeah. You're flooring Absolutely. more cars and those cars are more expensive. So you're getting hit twice, you know, you got twice as much concrete well, to fill up. And
1: actually we're lucky in that situation We're we're flooring the same amount of cars, if not less because, because of, yeah, because we're making more money. So we're buying more of our own cars. You know, I mean, it's That's a, it's been a beauty of it. You know, we, we've uh, ran campaigns actually to buy cars off the street. And uh, we bought a lot of cars off the street in the last few months, and just wrote checks. You know, we didn't we didn't go to to the floor plan companies, so we own a larger percent of our floor of our of our inventory than we ever have.
0: Hmm. So
2: that's great. I you know it, I, I hate floor plan companies. So I, and not that I don't want
1: them. Don't to say that, them. man. It might be yeah. a sponsor. Someplace. Yeah. Yes.
2: Not that I don't want them to sponsor the podcast, but I, I just <laughs> the amount of money that goes out the door, I think is better served to to figure it out a different way. But I mean, it has to happen. I mean, it's yeah. Even the richest dealers, uh, new car stores, Florida cars. So it, it's just... It's, yes, they do. It's, it's the nature of our business. Um, well,
1: there's a certain there's a certain level of comfort when you go to the auction and you buy 20 cars and you walk up to the lady and say, put those on so-and-so, right? Put that on that floor plan. And you walk okay. out the door, you get in your car, you listen to music and you go home. Um, there is a certain, certain ease of business to do that, you
2: know? It is. Uh, Dan, what is... We all know what prices have done lately. Um, I just look back at what I was paying for cars last year and even 2019, I think 2019 is probably a better year to compare to, to what they were bringing yesterday. It's unprecedented is what I would call it. And I don't know if you're getting the same thing in the, in Ohio, but I'm sure you are. Yeah. You know, you talk about sourcing cars off the street, which is great. I don't think you can buy enough off the street. How are you buying cars right now?
1: Um, auction and off the street, um, auction, auction makes up probably a good 80% of our purchases, unfortunately, um, because that's where, that's where they're at. Right. But the ones off the street have been phenomenal. Uh, we're picking up some really unique units that you wouldn't find at the auction. People turn, you know, they're, they might be over a hair on their miles on their lease, or they might just have a third, second, third car at home. And we've picked up some really oddball stuff that has been fantastic, you know, just amazing stuff off, uh this, the new location, primarily the old location, it's, um, we don't buy as many out there. The new location, this, um, nine times the traffic count. So a lot more people see the signs, they stop in, they sell us the car.
2: And you have one person responsible for that, Dan, or is that you buying?
1: That's just me. That's just me. Yeah. Sometimes if I'm not here, they get the contact information. They get to bend the miles, take some pictures and Mm. I'll even text the person a quote, like I'll pay you this much for your car bring the title. And so that's happened numerous times. Do you find and that sometimes tough, where Carvana, you're... sometimes Carvana eats my lunch, you know, yeah. I offered a guy, yeah. I offered a guy more than clean trade yesterday and Carvana gave him three grand over that. I was like, what the, heck? and it's crazy, but. Yeah. but you got to do what's right for you. Yeah. I totally understand. Well, it's right do for you... us and the customer, you know, you can't, you can't overpay for it and then, you know, transfer that onto the consumer, you know? So. And I can't, I don't have a bunch of stock, stock uh, shareholders that are willing to take a loss either. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, do you find that's hard though? You know, the biggest issue I've had with trying to buy from the public, is it just, it, it just, it's time consuming, man. It, it takes a lot of time. You know I mean? You're like a half hour to buy one car. Um, uh, dealing with them, okay with the that. title, writing a check, getting the car back, helping the customer get home, coordinating, you know, it's like,
1: I'm okay with have it. Have you simplified um, it? uh so we do have we do have these uh this folder it's called the purchase pack and inside of it it's got the odometer statement the the bill, the bill of sale it's all pre-written you put everything in there copy the check title it all goes in there that makes it a little bit faster because we have those on hand um mm-hmm. but if i spend 30 minutes with a customer to buy their car versus buying it in a in a instant in the lane i'm just buying a better car
2: I assume yeah. that you're probably making more money That's on the, the argument as well
1: yeah uh without question Without hmm. question. I mean, you talk the gross difference on those vehicles is double. Oh, I agree. So that 30 minutes to me is worth every single second. Plus, you're building a relationship that's going to last for for potentially years.
2: That's true. Yeah. I mean, how many times have I bought a car off the street and then started servicing the people's car, detailing it, and then next thing you know yep. they want to buy another car, they call me. So totally agree. Yep. Whenever you can do that, it just really is, is
1: key. Um, yep. I'll spend an hour with them if I have to. I'll make them lunch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny dan what, what how long do you see this lasting with the with the inventory spot you know everybody has their opinion i, I just want
1: to know what you. My, my my opinion is uh first quarter 22 i really think that i uh, talked to a lot of new car dealers and the funny thing with new car dealers is all that we're going to see we're going to see an exit of a lot of single single rooftops Mm. in the next and by the end of the year we'll see a lot of exits i think a lot of your small mom and pop chevy ford dodge store chrysler dodge jeep stores those guys are going to probably fold up because Mm. they're not getting allocated the inventory the inventory is getting allocated to the guy selling 500 new units not the guy selling 30 40 50 units so those Mm. guys i i drive by their locations and i see 20 30 new vehicles out there and and those fellas or ladies they don't know the used car market like the independent dealer so they're not buying like we're buying. They're not aggressive like we are. Like we have to have cars, you know? They're like, oh, mm-hmm. we'll get them when we get them in, when the when the factory ships them to us. Mm. Unfortunately, that's not going to pan out well in the end. So mm. I think 2022 20, first quarter, we'll probably start to see some, some easing, but it's gonna last for a while, I think.
0: Do you see an opportunity yeah. with those single store, rooftop, new cars, e- even the used cars? I mean, we see that a lot in the independent group you know, even used car guys that are saying, Hey man, this is just not fun anymore. I don't have cars. I don't have anything to sell. I can't feed my family. I need to jump ship and go do something else. Yep. And, and this might sound bad. I don't want to sound like a vulture, but do you see opportunities there? You know, if Dan's really looking for a third location or, you know, are you looking to pick up a, you know, Oh, Suzuki franchise or something who's, you know, what
1: Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi franchise. You can get those pretty, pretty reasonably. Um, Um, but yes there's actually three people in our in our group that have jumped ship so far this year that are uh doing other things three people in our facebook group you're saying yeah and these these were pretty pretty decent operators in my opinion they weren't they weren't like uh five car stores they were 40 50 car stores you know and they just said you know i can't can't do it anymore so it
0: is interesting if you don't have something tying you in like if you don't own the land uh, you know, if you don't have buy here, pay here, if you don't have something that really has you tied down long term, it's very easy to say, "I got no cars to sell, I'm not making money, and the job market is so strong in this other trade that I'm experienced in, whether it be construction or you know yep. uh, whatever it is." It's very easy to be enticed away and jump ship, which yep. you know.
2: Yep. And you, yeah, I don't go ahead. So you got out of the buy here, pay here business. Do you ever worry about that? Like you, you know. I don't have the business you're in. You've got to sell cars to make income or, you know, to sure. have cash flow. really. Do you ever get worried about not having that portfolio sitting there?
1: I used to. Um, and I still, I still do a, I'll still do one or two a month just to, you know, get back to my roots. Um, yeah. I used to, um, but I, I think where that, that income is uh, taken, taken over for me, it's not as, as big as an income, but the service department, service drive, that's where my, I think that's where the future of that, Mm. that, that income is going to be for us.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the new car stores argue that too, right? Didn't we see that study the other day that said all those, the new car stores are going to be, it's like going to be like 70 or 80% of their profit will be service and. Absolutely. Direct to consumer, Carvana, Vroom, whoever it is that's actually selling the car, but our physical locations, they might just turn into straight service centers.
1: Yeah, and that's that's one of the like so one of my goals uh for the rest of this year is to try to uh, get more uh companies signed up through our fleet program. So that that those guys are typically net 30 guys, but when they're when they're spending money in your shop, they're spending five, 10, 15, 20 grand a month per company um with decent margins. So we went from having a single alignment machine, we're gonna have three alignment machines, we have multiple AC machines. I mean, we we're gonna be able to service numerous we're, we're going to grow that business big. It's either going to, it's either going to just be amazing or it's going to be like, damn, I shouldn't have did that. Um, <laughs> but I'm willing to take the, I'm willing to take the risk, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, that's, that's what we argue is like, Hey, you know, when, when Uber and, and uh, all these self-driving fleets of cars, put car ownership out of business, guess what my car lot is going to be. It's going to be a repair recon facility for all those self-driving cars. Yeah, little suckers will show up here, and we'll give them a cleaning. We'll put new tires on them, and we'll send them back out. You know, so yeah, I think building out your service bay is it's smart, future proof. I think I think it's, I think, key. it's, it's
1: key. I think it's good for the future. I think it's good for for uh, my exit strategy. You know, in, in a decade or two, whatever we decide, um, yeah. it just makes everything more valuable. So
2: it does. It, having that customer base in your shop, having you know good profit to show is an easy, that's an easier thing to sell. I think than the actual, the car business, maybe, maybe not, but I, I think it is yeah. without a without a franchise.
0: Absolutely. But then you got to staff them. <laughs> oh. We're going to talk about that next week, actually. So, so I'll this, leave you guys hanging on that one. That's tough.
1: The staffing, it's funny that we talk about like the tech, the tech world, if we want just a second, the average kid coming out of vocational school in our market that does oil changes and breaks, is basically demanding 20 bucks an hour to start. That's like on a low side. We see guys, we see these kids, they're 19 years old, they want 25 bucks an hour plus benefits and they wanna work about four days a week. So <laughs> that that's going to be a massive problem
2: for all of us. I mean, massive. And the only way to fix it is more vocational schools, less college, and that's some, some people don't wanna hear that in, in our government and that's what needs to happen. I don't know how we fix it, but we gotta fix it somehow. Yep. Yeah. All Get right. on that. Yeah. You have
0: it fixed by next week and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> Dan, yeah. thank you for your time, man. We're so we appreciate you. you being here. Uh, you know, I feel like we should just do this about every hundred episodes or so, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this sounds good. <laughs> the Dan Real update. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Dan.
1: Thanks, guys. Enjoy thank you. your day. Bye. Thank you. Bye.
0: So glad you joined us. Please take a minute to leave us a review and share this podcast with a friend. The Independent Dealer Podcast. Dealers helping dealers.